Hi, and welcome to The Outside Story. Before we begin today's episode on The Farewell, we will be providing a synopsis. Aspiring Chinese-American writer Billy maintains a close relationship with Nai Nai, a term used to mean paternal grandmother in Mandarin, who lives in Chengchun, China. After receiving a rejection letter for a Guggenheim Fellowship, Billy discovers from her parents, Haiyan and Jian, that Nai Nai has been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and is predicted to have only a few months left to live. Through deception and manipulation of medical test results, the diagnosis is kept secret from Nai Nai herself. Nai Nai is, instead, falsely told that her recent doctor visits have only revealed benign findings. A wedding for Billy's cousin, Hao Hao, from Japan, has been planned in China as an excuse to unite the family to spend what is expected to be one last time with Nai Nai. Fearing Billy will end up exposing the lie to her grandmother, Haiyan and Jian tell her to remain in New York City. Billy disobeys her parents' orders and flies to Chengchun shortly after the rest of the family arrive there. Billy assures her parents that she will not reveal the cancer diagnosis to Nai Nai. Throughout the trip, however, she clashes with the rest of the family, including the doctor treating her grandmother, over their deliberate dishonesty towards her grandmother. Guilt-ridden, Billy expresses conflicted thoughts with her parents over the Chinese cultural beliefs that results in a family refusing to disclose such a life-threatening disease with the matriarch. One night, her uncle, Haibin, contends that the lie allows the family to bear the emotional burden of the diagnosis rather than Nai Nai herself, a practice of collectivism that Haibin acknowledges to Billy differs from the individualistic values common in Western culture. Billy later learns that Nai Nai also told a similar lie to her husband up until his death when he was terminally ill. On the day of the wedding, both Haibin and Hao Hao break down in tears on separate occasions but manage to proceed through the rest of the banquet as planned without raising Nai Nai's suspicions. That night, Nai Nai gives Billy a hongbao, encouraging her to spend the money as she chooses. When Billy reveals to her grandmother about the Guggenheim Fellowship rejection, Nai Nai responds by encouraging Billy to continue following her dreams. Billy keeps her promise to maintain the lie and shares a tearful goodbye with Nai Nai as the rest of the visiting family members return to their homes in Japan and America. The credits reveal that six years after her diagnosis, the woman Nai Nai's character was based on is still alive. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Outside Story. I'm Larry. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Jessica. And today we have a special guest, my husband, Jason. And can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Hi, guys. I'm Jason. Glad to be on this podcast with you guys. A little bit about me. I am Chinese-American. Probably got into movies a little bit late. When I was in high school, really started getting into movies. I'm a sucker for all things animated and cartoons and rom-coms, but appreciate just about everything 
hard for me to <laughs> not like a movie, probably. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, there's Jason. All right. Thanks for joining us, Jason. And so today's episode, we'll be talking about The Farewell. The Farewell is a Asian-American film that came out earlier this year, directed by Lulu Wing and stars Aquafina and a few other notable cast members. But yeah, let's just jump right into it. So Jess, I'm curious, when did you like first hear about this film? I heard about it on Twitter. So I follow this guy. What is his name? I think it's his name is William William Yu, and he's like a big advocate of Asian American representation on the screen or in media. And he's the guy that started the hashtag starring John Cho. So okay. um, I follow him, and I think he he must have posted it. And, um, yeah, when I saw it, and I was like, what? Like, Aquafina's in it? And I was super excited because I love Aquafina. I think I've seen her in a few things now, and she's super funny. And then I watched the trailer, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to go watch this film when it comes out. And that's when I shared it to you guys, and we would hopefully watch it and review it. So that's how I first heard about it. Yeah, I didn't hear about it until you guys, until we mentioned it in one of our other podcast episodes. I'm like, huh, what? Yeah, we mentioned it in the podcast episode, and we talked about it in our group chat. And I was like, uh, okay. But like, it just kind of went right over my head. And I saw the trailer for it when I went to go watch Midsommar, I think. It's because they're actually the same distributors. So Midsommar and The Farewell are, are by the same distribution companies. So I guess they kind of advertise their own little space. And... I was watching it, and I was like, oh man, this looks really good. I gotta check this out. And so I went to go watch it with two coworkers of mine, one Chinese-American, one Korean-American, and they both really enjoyed it. Uh, we all enjoyed it, but I guess we were all kind of expecting to, like, cry cry to death. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Um, cause we were Me too. Like, I was, like, expecting kind of to you cry. I mean? I mean, I got teary-eyed, yeah. definitely, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are some very good moments, but I know one of my coworkers, he's a real sucker for like sad films, that kind of stuff. And so, but it, like, it didn't hit him. I was like, yeah, I could tell. But we all kind of related to it, so it was really good. Yeah, so Jonathan, what about you? Yeah, I heard about it on Twitter as well. I don't remember from who or what. But then I posted it in the Facebook chat, and Jessica was like, yeah, I've heard about that. It looks good. And then I thought it was funny that, like, Maybe a month later, you posted, have you guys heard about this film? And we were like, we were just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I went to go see it. I actually went to go see it by myself at first because I had a day off from work. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go see this film. I'm lucky that it's playing in Seattle because it was limited release at the time. And so I wasn't really mm-hmm. playing very much anywhere else. And so I was like, I, I just want to go see it. And when I walked into the theater... It smelled like Asian snacks. And I was like, I know I'm in the right place. Um, Because, you know, us Asians, we got to bring our own snacks. You know, they don't have uh, rice crackers at the movie theaters. So we got to bring it. I feel like I cried a lot. Did you guys, you guys are heartless. (laughs) You guys didn't cry. (laughs) No, I think think it was because you said that, oh, like bring the tissue boxes. So I was already like, I had this expectation of... Uh, like I was like, okay, I gotta prepare myself. Like I'm gonna cry, but then I did it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I went in and I, w- I wasn't expecting it. Maybe that's why it was much more. It hit me a little bit more harder. I guess. Mm-hmm. 
because I wasn't really expecting it. But I feel like it hit me pretty hard the second time around, too. I, I saw it twice. First time I saw it by myself. The second time I saw it with a few of my friends. My friend Miguel, who I watched Mother with. He's Mexican, Salvadorian, American. And then my friend Janai, who's white. And then a couple of her friends came, too. And, yeah, but Janai actually lived in China for, I don't know how many years, a long time. Like, six or seven years, maybe more. She's teaching English in Shanghai, and that's how I knew her. And then we actually ended up going to the same graduate school. Anyway, I was like, I think you'll like this film, because you lived in China for however, however long, and you would totally get a lot of the references and stuff. And so, yeah, so she was like, yeah, totally, let's go. And so we all went and saw it. And I cried probably more the second time <laughs> than I did the first mm. time. Okay. Yeah. Since it was a limited release, we watched it, what, last week? No, like two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. Like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's playing Sacramento. Like, we have to go. And so we were, like, scrambling to try to find a time to go because it was, like, uh, it was, I don't know, kind of crazy, a crazy weekend. But then we finally made time to go, and then it was just me and Jason in the whole theater. <laughs> and wow, that really? Was, wow, that was perfectly crazy. fine with me. Well, it was pretty late. It yeah. was, like, at 10 o'clock at night. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then... We watched it and we really liked it and then found out that it was actually playing in Reading. And I was like, yes, it's here. Like more people can see it and watch it and know what I'm talking about. So I feel like I want to go watch it one more time. I feel like mm -hmm. I would, I feel like I might cry the second time around. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, hon? I, I definitely got misty eyed. I didn't, I don't think I cried in it, but I mean, I related to more or less the whole movie basically my life <laughs> story of your life yeah seriously um I, I would say and i mean i don't know that they've depicted much of chinese american culture in movies but this one i thought nailed it, it was super accurate i related to most of it all right there's a lot of things to talk about they touch on so many different things involving family the differences between Eastern and Western culture, Asian American identity. So, Jonathan, why don't you go first? Oh, man. There's just so much about this film that I absolutely love. And I'm just going to try to pick one thing and okay. stick with that. I mm -hmm. love how real the portrayal of family was in this for Asian American families, you know? Like, we don't... I know, like, all families have their own systems and their own cultures and their own things, and so, like, not one movie is going to be able to portray every single family system and stuff like that. But there's this idea of, like, the nuclear family, you know? Like, the mom who stays at home, she's kind of the housewife, the homemaker, takes care of the kids, and then you have the dad who's, you you know, goes to work and, you know, plays sports with his son. And then you have the two kids, one boy, one girl. That's the perfect nuclear family. Everything's kind of just picture perfect, you know? But here in this film, this idea of families kind of switched over or it's kind of flipped up on its head because family isn't just the immediate family but family is the extended you know like it's the cousins it's the it's the auntie it's the uncle it's the grandma it's the grandma's sister everybody's a part of this family and the idea of the nuclear family is almost non-existent 
I like that portrayal because growing up as a Hmong American, like our dad is uh, an only child, has step siblings, but a lot of them are in the motherland or don't have children. And so we didn't grow up with dad's side of the family. But then we did grow up with mom's side of the family. We had our auntie, Taitong, who was very close to us, like a second mother, you know, Mm -hmm. um, picked us up from school, did things for us that, you know, our mom wasn't able to do because our mom was working full time. And there's just this closeness that happens when that happens when you depend on one another like that. And and your auntie's the one who's always picking you up from school, you know? And then your teachers, like, mix up your auntie for your mom and stuff like that, you know? There's just, like, this closeness and stuff. And we grew up with our cousins as well, Andy being the closest in age to us, and actually Andy being my birthday twin, same month, same day, same year. Like, we grew up and we were practically like brothers, you know? Um, And people always saw us together hanging out and stuff like that. And that, to me, is family. Mm At the end of the day, yes, like we have our own home and we stayed with our parents and, you know, grandpa and grandma lived with us and stuff like that. But I think also just this portrayal of a non-nuclear family on the screen is just very powerful. I think also very reminiscent for non-Western families. I know that people in the Latino Latina experience also experience the same idea of family that, you know, like when you have a get together or a gathering, it's not just your immediate family. It's, it's everybody. It's extended family, you know, mm-hmm. um, and people who you, who are not even blood related to you, but then are your cousins and like your auntie and uncle and stuff like that. And so I love that about this film. It wasn't trying to say that this is how family should be. It wasn't trying to say that this is the picture of a perfect family. It might've been even was trying to say the opposite. I don't know, but it was simply showing us and telling us that this is how family is in this space, and that's okay. And so I feel like I resonated a lot with that and just being able to see all that. All right, so... Yeah. Do any of you have anything to add to the family stuff? Yeah, I. it was funny because the, the weekend we saw it was the weekend we went back so we could celebrate my mom's birthday. And oh, so, perfect. Yeah, it, was, it worked out. Um and so, you know, we watched the movie, and yeah, family's a, a huge theme, and was what I, what really resonated with me, and so going from that to the very next morning, having breakfast with my family and my mom, and then even friends that we grew up with that consider my mom kind of second moms, and so they're kind of family to us, you know, even though they're not related to us, kind of just put everything in perspective, and yeah, I think you're right, it's there's this expanded view of family in Asian culture that, that you don't necessarily get. And, and I think about the way we raise our kids even. Mm-hmm, I like, was just thinking about that. Yeah, like they they just call all of our friends auntie and uncle. Like even though... I mean, like our, they're our, obviously not yeah, related. <laughs> yeah, I mean our close friends anyway. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if it's off-putting to like our friends, you know, but some of them have kind of embraced it. Like they love that they get called auntie or uncle or whatever and they kind of run with it. The movie really made me appreciate the way in which I was raised as far as what family looked like for me. That's why at like one of the scenes I was like like crying because you know there was that scene where her cousin's fiance had lost her earring and they're all on the floor trying to look for the earring and stuff and they find the earring and then like that's the point where Aquafina's character Billy confronts her mom and starts saying stuff like how hard it is for her 
that this is happening and that she can't even say goodbye because she was so small when they had all left for America. When they left, there was no more family for them. It was just the three of them. And their idea of family was torn away from them. They couldn't go to Cousin's house. They couldn't go to Grandma and Grandpa's house and have dinner and play out in the backyard and stuff like that, you know? And I was like, oh my god, that's like, (laughs) that is, what's the word I'm looking for? That's just like so sad to me, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we were lucky enough to grow up with our cousins and have sleepovers. And I remember, you know, very fondly, like, the, the memories of, like, sitting in Sabrina's and Sherry's bed as they told us ghost stories and stuff, you know? Like, these were, like, the memories that made my childhood. And, like, I can't imagine, like, not having that. And for Billy, being there with, like, her family and being all around everyone was just so meaningful for her. And she wanted more of that. And I think it's just so jarring, you know, that, like, even now for me, like, being so far away from home is just so tough because I don't have those things. I can't just go to mom and dad's house and, like, do my laundry like Billy does. I can't go to mom and dad's house and have dinner with them, like, on random night of the week. I live so far and I have to take every single moment that I have to cherish those little things and, you know, go to church with mom and dad when I'm home, you know, because it's meaningful to them and do all these things that I kind of don't want to do, but then I know that I have to do because I love them and I honor them and I want to be a part of their lives, you know, and I want them to be a part of mine too. All of that just reminded me so much of the experience that I'm having now. I'm super far away, don't have a lot of family, you know, The friends that I do have are close to me, but I can't go over to their houses to do laundry, except for my friend Maytag. Shout out to Maytag. She's mom. (laughs) And so, you know, she knows the struggle. I go to her house and do laundry if I really need to, you know, stuff like that, that is just not available to me. I thought it was just really funny when Billy was also over at her mom's house and she's like, and they're like kind of arguing with each other. But then Billy's mom's like, all right, how many dumplings do you want? And she's like, six. She's like, that's not enough dozen ten is fine you know like it's just really it's funny that they have that like even though they're arguing with one another like her mom's lecturing her she's just kind of like i still love you here's your dumplings you know um and (laughs) right all better (laughs) right um and i'm just really sad that i don't have that i can't just go home like that you know and that's something that still kind of pains me today you know as as i know that i'm living out here in seattle I think we've mentioned this before, like, I don't know, it might have been the second episode, the Asian American experience, just talking about that, how, just how, like, different, like, Asian culture is from, like, I guess, quote-unquote, like, American culture. I feel like we are in a similar situation with you, Jonathan, because, like, I mean, we're not that far away from family, like, we're close enough, but we're also, like, far enough. For me, it is difficult, because I, I obviously, like, have kids and you know I want the boys to be able to grow up with their cousin and and to play and you know know their grandma and grandpa because like we I mean grandma and grandpa lived with us and and obviously we've grown up like American so we've grown up a little bit differently so like mom and dad don't live with us so it's it's different in that way but 
like it is hard for us well for me i don't know about for jason but just not being like close to family and, and being able to rely and like know that they'll always have your back i mean obviously we have friends that we love and we trust and they would have our backs but it's just it's different when it's like your like immediate family and like you're kind of like extended family so family was pretty important to me too like i noticed that was a big thing in the film too but what actually stuck out to me was more billy's experience there in china and the one thing i remember after the film finished i was talking with my coworker who was chinese american he goes and says like dude billy's chinese was really bad i'm like yeah i could tell billy's chinese was kind of bad even though i only took mandarin for like two years in college but even i could tell like even though Billy knew enough to like have a conversation, I could tell Billy still had a hard time trying to use that more often. And if anything, that would be one thing I wish I was able to do. Like if we were, I don't know, maybe if we grew up more around more of our family who kind of spoke Hmong and such, I think that'd be a lot nicer. Because maybe my Hmong won't be as bad as Billy's. And we were making the comparison like, dude, like Billy's Chinese is like, as bad as my mong but my mong is actually way worse <laughs> and then we were comparing it too because like my, my other co-worker was korean american he says yeah dude billy's chinese is like my korean dude it's so bad <laughs> um so just that that asian american experience since growing up you know it's a lot different and it's more difficult when you don't have people around whom you can share that language and that love of culture and that have that familial bond that i could definitely like relate to and that i sympathize with a lot with Billy. And also what I really liked about the film was the the subtitles because the subtitles it seems like they're from Billy's perspective. So they're very easy to understand, but when Billy didn't understand like a word, it'd be like in Mandarin or it'd be in Pinyin. And so and then that's when Billy would have to ask like, "Wait, wait, what's what's this? What's that?" you know? There's that one scene when the how how and his fiance we're taking pictures, wedding pictures, and then <laughs> that was Billy goes, yeah, Billy goes and asks, uh, or, or yeah, uh, Billy was talking with the, with Nai Nai, and Nai goes and says, yeah, just just don't be like, um, I don't remember the term, but but just, just don't be very like, like sh- she said this phrase, and then Billy was like, wait, wait, what's this? Wait, what is that? And then Nai Nai like demonstrates it. And I'm like, oh my god, I freaking do that all the freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> where you just don't want to when you're at like a social event or a some kind of gathering but you just kind of keep to yourself you just don't want to deal with like your your relatives who you have no idea with you don't even want to say hi or anything <laughs> i'm like man i totally do that what the heck so yeah i i really enjoyed that i thought that was really funny at that point billy probably had that feeling too where like she goes back home is like is it even home now you know is new york city her home so yeah, so she had this weird conflicting thing because she grew up in New York, in America, but pretty much all her family was back in China. And so she had this conflicting thing between the two. And so, yeah, I, I sympathize with that. Actually, question about what you were just saying. Like, sure. what do you mean, like, sympathize with that? Like, do you mean, like, not not knowing where home is or, like, not having people who are close to you in proximity? What do you mean? Uh, sympathize with that conflict of identity because like throughout the film she, like later she says she wants to stay there you know she wants to stay and take care of Nai Nai and then the mom goes like what's she gonna do you can't do anything you're not good for anything you know the whole mom's feel <laughs> such a mom thing to say yeah. you can't cook you can't clean what are you gonna do yeah um <laughs> and it 
it just got me thinking just because it's like it's not just a, a cultural thing it's also a millennial thing too i think so i think that's where i sympathize with her a lot like asian american millennial kind of thing that's another really good theme in the farewell is just this like like where's home especially i think for asian americans where you know like when people see us in the united states like they ask us like where we're from Mm -hmm. uh where we really from you know because we can't possibly be from the united states because we look asian you know right um but you know truth is we're 2.5 generation Hmong american i was born in fresno california you know Mm -hmm. um to parents who met at youth camp you know um Mm -hmm. in the united states so yeah i and then and then she goes home to the main to the motherland and she's not home there either you know because her cousins are all poking fun at her about mm-hmm. she's not chinese you know yeah and even her parents doubted that too because they they felt like she wasn't able to control her emotions right so they already had those doubts on her too that she wasn't chinese that she was just american Along those lines, too. Yeah, it was really interesting when they were in the restaurant and they were talking about... There was that weird tension because they were talking about America, about how she was... That the lady was going to send her son. But then she was, like, ragging on American culture. Mm-hmm. And the mom goes, oh, well, are you still going to send your son then? <laughs> um, and so just kind of this weird dynamic between the the Western and the, the Asian kind of thing. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's... I think we we all can relate to that. It's the mm-hmm. we don't quite fit the mold here, but in many ways we wouldn't fit the mold. I wouldn't fit the mold in China or Hong Kong or wherever. The other thing that kind of stuck out to me, and you kind of mentioned it a bit, was when they would insult Billy a bit. And even though every time the grandma would talk to Billy, she would say something like "Oh, you stupid girl" or something like that. Um, but in a real yeah, like playful, child. yeah, stupid child, um, which is kind of a really interesting. Wouldn't necessarily be your first like go-to for words of like endearment for your (laughs) for your kid you know right Um, right at least not at least not here but the way affection and embrace and all those things work in asian culture is such a different is a lot different and i was i was really surprised even in the amount of affection that the family showed to one another in this movie like they actually hugged and and things like that and Things that weren't necessarily existent in my upbringing. I don't know if that's true or not for you guys. What surprised me was how much the grandma was okay with what Billy was doing. You know, like right. she wasn't judgmental about, oh, you're going to do arts or you're going to do, like, why aren't you going to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that? So I was very surprised how loving the grandma was that the grandma wasn't pushing her to get married. I mean, she'd ask once in a while, but. You know, like she wasn't like super disappointed in Billy and she was super proud of who Billy was. It's not something that I'm used to. Jason and I talked about this after we watched the movie and just the theme of loss and the American mindset or Western mindset versus like the Eastern mindset, not telling someone that they're dying. <laughs> and and then I was telling Jason, I was like, I would want to know like if I was dying he said something along the lines of like why would it take someone telling you that you're gonna die that you finally start to live and i'm like oh yeah (laughs) and oh yeah Yeah, it's a weird thing because you kind of think about how like the people who get diagnosed with terminal illnesses and how quickly they deteriorate deteriorate and die and 
you kind of think, okay, how much of it has to do with them knowing their the knowing part uh, and the, the psychological mm. part yeah. of it. And then you're like, is that why Chinese people live so long? Because, <laughs> or people live so long? because no one tells them that they're dying, you know? <laughs> hey, you're dying. They're dying, but they live for a thousand years. You're like, what? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. That was like funny. another uh, um, something that we talked about. So, but um, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Go for it. Um, my my coworker, the Chinese American one, he said he thinks it just depends on the family whether or not they're going to tell the person if they have like a terminal illness or not because he said that his grandpa like he knew he had lung cancer you know what i mean and you know he died knowing that and so he told me that it's not just chinese culture he just said it's probably just depends on the family and i told him yeah that's true but i think what the film was trying to say was more it was just using that as like a backdrop and the whole real theme is about this this collectivism mentality when it comes to family because we're all in this together hopefully this doesn't come off as a stereotype like oh all chinese people don't know they have cancer <laughs> like no, no it's, it's not supposed to come off as that stereotype but uh, but you know it's it's what's being used so the collectivism thing is interesting too as much as i disliked the uncle of all the characters in the movie he's probably the one that was the most that rubbed you the wrong way a little bit right at least for me yeah but there was that <laughs> i was indifferent <laughs> yeah i mean there's that scene where i think it was when the the uncle and the dad are smoking and then billy yeah. walks in and they have that conversation of oh and she goes so you're really not going to tell nine i then and the uncle goes into that bit about how telling the grandma would be putting the burden on the grandma versus not telling her and the family sharing the burden of the loss or the grief mm-hmm. or whatever. Just yeah. just a real, real interesting take on that. Yeah, I actually liked the uncle because of that. Cause of what yeah, that was there. kind of his redeeming moment. And then when he cried at the, the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, he's... He legit cried yeah, at oh, the yeah. wedding. He... Oh, man. That reminds me, like, this film was kind of funny, too, you know? It was funny. Um, it had its it had its good moments, you know what I mean? Of, yeah. um, of comedy and, you know, drama. The mm-hmm. comedy was nice, mixed in between. It was, like, so inappropriate, but at the same time appropriate, I guess. The, I started laughing, like, when the uncle started crying, like, hella hard at the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because I was laughing so hard because I was like, this fool was all like, you can't, you can't show your emotions. You can't, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. And here he is trying to think his mom and he just starts like bawling, you know? And so I was just laughing so hard. And then like, and then the cousin got super drunk after they played that drinking game. And then he starts bawling bawling like crazy he can't stop and then uh, the grandma's like why are you guys so emotional like why are you crying so hard and billy's there she's like you know keeping it together so i thought it was funny that like billy was the one who kept it all together but everybody else you know like broke down and started crying super hard the cousin what was his name how 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 right how 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 do you say it in mandarin he didn't talk at all. His character? Yeah, his character was really interesting. Because, because he's really bad at Mandarin. <laughs> <He's like laughs> yes, Larry status. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he didn't talk at all. And then you don't, you don't really hear much interaction between him and... Because he ended up marrying a Japanese girl. Right. Yeah, and so there wasn't a whole lot of conversation around that. 
it didn't seem like. He couldn't really do anything, really. No. Yeah, he was just kind of there, and then he, he got drunk and cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't really interact with Billy either. But then again, like, to be honest, though, like, if I were to travel a ways to be at a, a wedding for someone who I'm related to, but didn't really know i'd kind of act the same way though you know what i mean i feel like they were close though because when haha started breaking down and like they didn't know how to stop from him from crying like they got billy and then billy took him and they went to a room and then he just cried on her lap i feel like they're close just probably not as close as you know as they can be but this is like again this is her only cousin and so I right. think in that moment of like, you know, this is my only cousin and he knows exactly how I'm feeling because, you know, he loves Nai as much as I do. I feel like there's that bond, you know, of family and okay. stuff like that. Yeah. And he's just quiet. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that he doesn't, doesn't mean he doesn't care or doesn't want to talk to Billy. He's just, right. you know, emotional. He's, just, and he's an introvert. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminds me of like the mom too. Like, so I apologize for calling you all heartless because that doesn't mean just because you didn't cry doesn't mean you don't have feelings um because the mom felt that way right Mm -hmm. she was talking about how when her dad died and like everybody expected her to be sad and cry super loud and all that stuff because if she didn't do that then um then that meant that she didn't love her dad you know did you say something jason did you want to say something no that (laughs) scene was so so accurate because she talks about that about how there's you know a professional there's a crier. professional crier and there really is like every funeral yeah. i've been to there is a professional crier who just wails the whole entire time, time. <laughs> that's we interesting too, in do we, we have do. that in i feel Mon- like we do. Mon- we do no we don't we don't hire professional criers no we Mon- don't hire we well, have it's, one, it's like a designated crier <laughs> yeah. <No>. like <laughs> I don't know. You you will cry today. It's like the whole time. It's like it's like it's like funeral etiquette for like for Hmong people. Like it's 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 just expected of you to go and do it. So yeah, I understand. I understand what you guys mean. Like yes, you you're expected. I think for women, you're expected to like go forward. I'm not saying it's more expect. I don't know because I've I've seen men do it too, but I've seen women do it more so um at funerals that like you know when you go even if you don't know that person very well it's like expected out of you to start wailing and crying uh, to the point where someone has to like drag you away from the Mm -hmm. from the coffin you know yeah i've seen that multiple multiple times larry were you gonna say something earlier uh, if I were, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that scene where the mom is talking about showing emotion and stuff like that is mm-hmm. very powerful. Because I think it's 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 true that there are some points, like, um, there are some parts in Asian culture where, like, you're not supposed to show emotion at all. And it's bad for you to show emotion. Mm-hmm. And people think that you're weird or that you're, um, you can't control yourself and stuff. Um, and then there's, there's parts where, you know, you're expected to wail and stuff like that. Um, but doesn't necessarily mean you feel one way or another, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just these expectations that are sometimes a little outrageous. Yeah. It's like, yes, my dad died and I love him dearly, but the way in which I manifest that grief doesn't have to be through wailing, you know? Yeah. 
So, and yeah. what I've kind of noticed, it's more the crying thing is more about saving face, right, or status. You know what I mean? Like you want to look good in front of your relatives. The funeral is one example of it. So we kind of got to see a little bit of both sides of it. Uh, what I mean is, we have the funeral that we briefly saw. It wasn't anyone's funeral from their family, um, but we also had like the wedding too, which is also about status as well. You know, this big grand kind of wedding. Nai Nai was in pretty much in charge of the whole wedding thing with the whole restaurant and stuff. Even during the conversation with Nai Nai and Billy as they were going through each of the studio settings, the bride and groom were taking pictures. I could just tell, like, yeah, they're definitely trying to go for this kind of status thing. Like, like even though, like, they're your family or relatives that you've never met in quite some time or whatever, like, you still want to try to have some kind of face that you want to show. In a way, that's what all the family relatives who knew the secret, that's what they're kind of trying to do too, right? Save face and not try to be too <laughs> emotional about it. But, you know, towards the end, they became emotional about it when they try to mask it as like, you know, they're so happy and such. Um, but yeah, I think status, you, you start to see a little bit of the Eastern Western differences of culture. And you see it more when they're in China, it's an Asian thing, you know, where we try to save face and such. So... Plus, okay, so there's actually a little bit of symbolism, right? That little bird that came into Billy's apartment in the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Do you guys yeah. remember there that? There was a bird. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and there was a bird in Billy's apartment. In yep. her hotel uh, room. In, in, in Billy's hotel room. Yeah. And then at the end, when she does that grunting noise, she scared off a bunch of those birds. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there's this, I don't really know what it's supposed to represent, but it's just something like a recurring motif. Yeah, I didn't, film. I didn't actually even, I mean, it, during the movie, I, I noticed that the bird showed up, but mm -hmm. I didn't really think about what it could represent. I don't know, could it, like, represent, like, her at the end, like, finally being free? Like, because, I mean, the bird coming into, um, like, a room or a hotel, her apartment and her hotel room oh. could kind of mean, like, it's trapped. I'm True. just like, I'm like stretching, no. yeah, <laughs> stretching no, no. theories. I think, I think that's a, that's a, yeah. Is that a plausible theory? I think it's plausible. That's, that's I mean, yeah, because then at the end she kind of like grunts and then, I don't know. <laughs> grunts. Grunts. I don't know what she does. Like, you know, her, her exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Karate chop. <laughs> which, which my grandma did like religiously for a long time. Really? Oh. So yeah, if you want to so live funny. for a long time. And she's still alive. <laughs> oh, so that is the secret. You got to do that. Got it. So it works. It works. Mm -hmm. Jason, how did you feel about seeing a Chinese American family on the screen? It was cool. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, it made me really proud. Few movies have done that. I mean, I, Crazy Rich Asians kind of did kind that, of, but this more so because this was so much more. This felt so much more real. Real life. Yeah, it was real life. This was. Yeah. Not aristocratic. bringing to a T. And so, yeah. afterwards, I was probably the most proud I felt, like, being a, a Chinese-American. <laughs> like, I was so proud. I was going to post something on Instagram about it. I never did, but... <laughs> you can still do uh, well, it. Well, I know, I will. Or when this will, podcast comes out, then <laughs> yeah. you can do it. Yeah, you pick up Cantonese again? <laughs> it's going to be bad. Oh, be, yeah, it's, it's awful. But, no, I was really, really stoked to see an accurate representation and a film that I think did it justice and painted 
both the good and the bad, but just kind of presented it and said, hey, here it is. This is what it's like. My takeaway, I, I really loved the film, and I'm so glad that um, I got to see Aquafina. I mean, she obviously has some comedic moments, but I think this was such a different role for her, which I really loved her in. Because, you know, I feel like when there are actors who are just purely, like, in comedic roles, like, you don't know how they're going to do in, like, a dramatic role. So you're always, like, hoping for the best. And I feel like Aquafina, like, she killed it. She did such a great job. For me, like, watching it, it almost made me... I was definitely so proud because it was, like, Asian-Americans on screen. Mm -hmm. But then I also just thought about, like us as like Hmong Americans, I'm like, I want to see our stories on the screen. And so that people can know the struggles that like we've gone through and that we've endured. So I think it's just a thought that crossed my mind. I don't have a story or anything, but I think it'd be cool one day to maybe write something and, you know, see it on the big screen. It'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you could totally do like a film based on that really famous book about Hmong Americans, The Spirit Catches You. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of it. Never read it, though. The Spirit Catches You When You Fall Down, I think is what it's called. Um, and it's about the struggle of a Hmong family, I think, in the 80s, where their child has seizures. And the, oh, there's I like remember this, that. Yeah, there's like this... I remember that There's book. like a medical... They were trying to get medical attention for their child, but then because healthcare professionals were not trained in cross-cultural experience, they actually ended up killing the child. And so it's basically a story that healthcare professionals are required to read to teach them about the importance of cross-cultural experience and and how it's it's needed, like the sensitivity is needed when you... Because there's all these different cultural expectations between yeah. uh, Western medicine and, um, and non-Western cultures. Yeah. And so, yeah. That, just that sounds of... like an Oscar premise. Why hasn't this film been made yet? What the heck? <laughs> well, you need I to... Feel... You... I, uh, Seriously. That heck, I it sounds like, like an Oscar I've film. I've seen that somewhere, though. Or was it like an episode that I watched of a show where I think it must have had like some kind of like African like culture to it where like someone was in the hospital, but then they also still had like a shaman come and like pray for them or do something. Oh, I can't mm. remember what it is. I'll have to find it somehow. Was but it? that it reminded me of that. Wasn't there a, a TV episode with Neil Patrick Harris doing that or something? He was speaking in Hmong. Yeah. Uh, he was a lawyer or something like that. I thought he was like a, a doctor or something. No, Doogie Howser? No. He's a lawyer. Doogie Howser? That's the only thing I can think of a, where Neil Patrick <laughs> no Harris idea. was a doctor. And that <laughs> was when he was young. Like, yeah, when he no, was yeah like, Neil Patrick Harris young. is really oh, young. Yeah, he was young in, in this show. But yeah. I could have sworn okay, he did something it, like that. Yeah. It must be Doogie Howser. It, it is. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you guys are talking Yeah, it, like they had a shaman come into the hospital and stuff like that. I remember that now. You should read uh, When the Spirit Catches You. Or The Spirit Catches You When You Fall Down. You I've only it? read maybe half of it before what? the medical jargon because okay. it, it like it's it's really good and then like it reaches this point in the book where there's a lot of medical jargon and there's a lot of medical terminology and I'm just like I just got lost in it um, mm-hmm. and so I think I just need to pick it up again. But the woman you mean who you're not a doctor. Um, no, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> um, shame on me, dishonor. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, the the woman who wrote it, she's a journalist, and mm-hmm. she basically investigated the case and wrote this book on it. And I think it's worth it for for people to read in general. And I think it's also kind of sad that Hmong Americans are not telling our own stories. You know, that other people have to do it. And I'm not saying that like this woman did a bad job. I actually think she did an amazing job at writing the book. But I'm just saying that it's different too when people tell their own stories of their own people and i think in this case with the farewell with lulu wang being the director and producer and creator she was able to tell that story it'd be cool to just gather stories and then you know even potentially write something write a movie that'd be cool okay so some of my final thoughts i guess for this film i came in expecting like a tearjerker but when i came out i was like yeah it, it I didn't really cry. I got teary at some moments, but I didn't really cry. I guess the few moments that really hit me were the parts where they were talking about how they're all sharing this burden together. A lot of the moments where Billy is constantly struggling to keep it in and struggling to not just tell Nai Nai all these things. Like, And whenever she brings it up to a family member like they always rebut and those moments really uh, hit me the most just because it's sort of like old age wisdom that, that's what it felt like when they were talking back because um billy grew up as an asian american and we don't really get a perspective on the cultures of, of just what our people do and you know and there's a part of me that kind of wish that whenever i went to monk stuff and i had a question or whatever it is you know I never really bothered asking questions about it. I never bothered asking mom and dad why why they did X, Y, and Z. I just kind of went there and just didn't want to be there. You know, I don't want to deal with this. Um, but I think if I actually did ask those questions to mom and dad, they would respond back with that kind of old age wisdom. And so that's what it felt like when I was watching the film. I was like, yeah, like that's kind of old age, old age wisdom that I missed out on growing up but i can still get that now you know if i really want to do it now overall i really enjoyed the film i thought they did a really good job portraying the differences between eastern and western culture and and the freaking um the jabs that the mom makes at um at billy it's just like oh my gosh am i just am i watching a movie or am i hearing my mom talk to me seriously (laughs) like there's so many jabs I was like, oh my god, like so much like smack talking. I was like, man, this is so st- this is so ridiculous. And my both my coworkers agree with me too. Like, yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what they what they experience too. You know, it's not just within Chinese American culture, but it's it's Asian American in general. Like, we grew up with this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect. Closing thoughts for me, I think um, filmmakers continue to show us that. There's no cookie cutter recipe for like an amazing film. Um, and I think that Lulu Wang does this very well in The Farewell. She um, takes this story that is nuanced and difficult and tense. And, and it's like, there's a story about a family who is trying to learn what love is about. You know, because they're trying to love their nai as best as they can um, and trying to care for her as best as they can. And so I think that moving forward, my hope is that like Hollywood film studios would 
really reconsider what like a blockbuster film could look like, you know? Because I think The Farewell, even though it might not have been like number one, like in the box office or whatever, it did very well for it being the small film that it is. And that I, I hope that it just gets the attention of people who are in bigger studios to consider that other stories besides, you know, the typical white Western story are worthy of being told and are also like reflective of life and art and, and are meaningful for people. Even if you're not Asian American, you can still look at this film and watch it and appreciate it, you know? So yeah, Jason? Something along those lines, I really appreciated that this didn't paint the picture of an ideal family, which I think is what a lot of films do. They draw up these ideals or these fantasies, or they that's how they draw you in, right? It's the, oh, well, this is what life could look like, or this is what life should look like. Whereas this was a really honest depiction of what life actually is. And yeah, to see, and in many ways, I think that's a risk in Hollywood. And so to see Lulu and the team take it in that direction and do a really good job at it, I think is helping to break those molds. All right, what are your final ratings for this film? Out of 10. Have I ever told you I don't do ratings? (laughs) (laughs) I think you have. uh, Yeah. You don't have to do ratings. Let's just say out of your top 10, does it fall? Does it knock something out? And where does it stand for you? Um, Okay, sure. Okay, so I want to preface this a little bit. See, um, my coworker wanted to watch this film with me because he said it beat Endgame. I'm like, okay, and I thought about it. I was like, but then and then I watched you after this film. I was like, I was telling him like, dude, like you can't even compare this film to Endgame. Like they're just so different. Even if like score wise, the Pharaoh beat Endgame, or even like sales wise too, like metrics per average per theater. Even if it beat Endgame. I don't think you can compare the two because they're just so different. So yeah, it's like apples to oranges. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like I, I love them both. You know, Farewell is good and Endgame is good. So it's like I don't know if you can compare both. But um, instead of like rating film, I would definitely recommend this film to people who enjoy a different perspective on Asian American culture. But yeah. that's pretty much it. So, <laughs> Do you think people need to see this film? I wouldn't say they need to see this film, but I would highly, highly recommend it if you consider yourself to be a, a film buff, a film critic, whatever, because this film definitely has made a mark on in film history, especially in Asian American film history, just because of not just the topic or the genre, but the themes, its characters, like all of it just kind of flows together very well. Pretty much like what it's trying to talk about. It won't necessarily relate on a global level, but I'd say it's like an important piece in film history. So I, I would preface it or place it like that. Originally, the, this episode or The Farewell was supposed to be its own separate thing. We were just going to do like a Twitter review, Instagram review on it, but I pushed for this to be an episode because The Farewell is so important. It is so important to our voices in Hollywood. This is the very first step, and I feel we have to, you know, we have to put that on the radar. So I would definitely recommend it with that in mind. It's, it almost sounds, sounds like, like you're you, saying ju- you just need, yeah, people need yeah, to see it. Not see you just highly recommend like. it. They have to go watch it, <laughs> <Yeah>. Larry. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. But like, 
but like, what it okay, like to me. I would highly, highly recommend Mother to every <laughs> single person, and I did. And guess what happened? People hated it. So it's like that's why I say that's why I'm saying like if you're like a film critic and you love films and you're a film buff, absolutely go watch this. But if you just want to watch films for if you just want to watch something like Hobbs and Shaw or like Transformers, I'm like I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you to watch this. You know what I mean? Like two of my okay, two of my other coworkers who are Asian-American too, uh, they're both Hmong-American, they asked me what I thought about this film. I'm like, yeah, it's a good film. But the thing is, I didn't recommend it to them because I had a feeling it wasn't the kind of film that they would actually be able to like enjoy, even if they can relate to that experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I kind of... That's why I can't say everyone needs to go see this film. As much as I want everyone to want to watch this film and I want to say they need to watch this film, I know that that's not possible because it takes a certain kind of perspective and mindset to be able to watch this kind of film so yeah. that's why i that's why i can't recommend it to everyone but Man, i highly like, highly recommend it who are your friends i'm kidding <laughs> i know who like, are your you're friends? my friend you're gonna watch this movie right you're gonna watch it you're gonna like it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah i feel like that's how it is for me like if you're my friend and you care about me mm-hmm. and my experience, you need to go see this film. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, that's, me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that's okay. how I feel. So, okay. Do you want to rate it, Jason and Jessica? I you don't have probably, to. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I'll rate it. I do ratings. <laughs> I would probably rate it a 8.5 out of 10. Only hmm. because I feel like the ending it ended so abruptly. And I was like, no, that's it. I was like, I need more. That was intentional. Though. I know it was intentional, but I I felt like I needed more from this story, even though yeah. I know they she they intentionally did that. But just for me personally, I wanted a little bit more. Yeah, you like harder concrete endings. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you can't yeah. leave me hanging. Yeah, that's why I said. I can't recommend it to everyone because my two <laughs> friends who really like films, they have to have a very hard concrete ending and I know this film doesn't. So that's why <laughs> that's why I can't recommend it to everyone, but I oh, highly man. recommend it. <laughs> I would, this would be as, I don't know if I'd give anything a 10. Ready yeah. to go, man? man? <laughs> I, would, I, no, there, I don't know if I'd give anything a 10. Um, man, but this is definitely, standards. this would be top 10 for me. Yeah? Okay. I think. Yeah, this would be top 10 for me. And, yeah, it's one of those things where I think if, if for anyone who cares about me, <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who, who like, cares about culture or wants to be cultured, I think this is a film you have to watch. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, the same thing as you, Jason. I don't know if I could ever give anything, like, a full mm-hmm. 10, but this comes pretty dang close to it. Yeah, like I agree. Like, 9.5. Yep to like 9.99999 out of 10 um yeah it comes pretty dang close so yeah that's i I love this film again i just want to you know reiterate what everybody else or what jason jessica said if you care about this and you're my if you care about me and you're my friend you will go see this film even if you're not my friend and you're listening to this podcast you should go watch it. Go, go see this film. <laughs> so that's it, right? I think that's it. I think so. You okay. Ending, Larry? Well, no. I thought. Are we going to talk about what we're watching now? Oh yeah, we we'll could. Conclude. Yeah. Sure. Like, well, what are you watching, honey? Yeah. What are you watching? Go for it. 
Your uh, your anim- your cartoon shows. <laughs> All your cartoon shows. Um, you can you can rave about it because no one else we don't really watch. I I well yeah a lot of us. Are don't we just talking to it. each other about what we're watching? Is that what? Yeah yeah. No, so this, we're basically like so this segment we're pretty much talking about like what we're up to when it comes to like film stuff, film or TV shows or whatever. Like what we're watching, what we're be. what's mm-hmm. on the radar, that kind of stuff. Got it. So people know what's up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. You want to talk about um, your shows? I mean, uh, I, I can, can go, go first. first. You go. Oh, okay. okay, sure. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, so I've been finishing up my Korean variety shows. I nice. <laughs> I finished Same. The Genius. I finished The Genius. Four seasons long. The Genius is so freaking good. <laughs> the Genius is so good. Uh, they did is such it, a good do job. Do you highly recommend it? Do I need to see it? <laughs> <laughs> see, now... I have to pick and choose because it's like it has to be the people who like Korean variety shows, but who are also like a sucker for pretty good storytelling. And uh, I've tried talking to other people at work about this, but I could tell they're not like just as interested as I am. Like, okay, I'm gonna control my fanaticism a little bit. <laughs> but the genius oh my is God. really good. <laughs> the genius is really good. Um, and then I found out the same producer created this great escape uh the, the, this escape room show called the great escape and he's created two seasons of that and i finished those two seasons oh <laughs> and gosh. i'm like oh, man this is really good um because like each each room or each uh there's like two episodes for each room each room has their own little self-contained story and uh, it's just so interesting to kind of see how the the players and the characters interact all with each other and such it's and not so, a variety show it's a game show right it's a they're considered variety shows though they are yeah okay a, ga- a game show would be like jeopardy or wheel of fortune but it doesn't fall under I that mean, because the variety show really... they do different types of things it's like a different game every... yeah a different right. game every right. every episode right or different and variety games shows throughout not... the episode variety shows they're not generally competing or they are competing but there's not they're not it's not like a prize money on the line generally not really um, oh, I thought there was a prize money for the genius. Yes, uh, the Great Escape. I don't <laughs> think so. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess you could call the genius a, a a game show if you really wanted to. Yeah, I feel um, like it's more of a game. It's like a reality TV game show. Yeah. As a because the because the people uh, are it's, it's almost like Big Brother. If for any of those who are familiar with Big yeah. Brother or Survivor. Yeah. Um, the the genius is is like that, and then. I finished that, and right now I'm watching Crime Scene, which is, like, Clue and Mafia put together. So there's, in season one, there's six suspects. Six suspects are played by different actresses and celebrities and whatnot, and one of them is a killer. And they have to go and explore this set, this studio set that that they designed for the crime scene, and pretty much point fingers at each other and try to find evidence to prove each other like who's lying who's you know who's the killer whatnot and at the end they, they reveal the killer and oh, there was an american tv show like that is there what's it called yeah, there was it's like it was so, it small was town x show. that's what it's called small town x small town x yeah there's an american tv show where it's like there's like a group of people they're put together in this small town and they figure out who the killer is and one of them is the killer um it's oh, called okay. yeah. It's called Small Town X. Super oh, old. There's an old reality show like that too. Really? Yeah. I don't remember these things. Hmm. I rem- I, I like memory. Small Town X. Yeah. Well, if you like Small Town X, crime scene is right up your alley. But 
Season 1 is a little rough because it's really slow. Season 2, they did the format a lot better. And the only reason why I know these shows is because there's certain celebrities from these game shows that I follow. And I just kind of follow them to, to different game shows. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much for the Korean variety shows. And then, earlier today, I watched this uh, South Korean film called Parasite. It oh, was... I've heard about that. Isn't that yeah. the guy that did uh, Okja? Yep, he did Okja. Okay. Oh, um, I, heard it's, I heard it's good. Oh, Parasite is so good. Did you, we might do we need review on to it. watch have it. Have you seen Okja? We, we might do. I haven't seen Okja. Oh, it's really good too. It's but good. we might later down the line. We might do a review on Parasite. It won. It was submitted at the Cannes Film Festival, and it won the highest award there unanimously. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, "What the heck? That's crazy!" I was like, "There's no way it can be that wow. good." What's up with these Korean it. films, man? Then, and crazy. then I watched it today. I'm like, "Oh man, this film is really good." <laughs> so, <laughs> um. I watched that, so we definitely are probably going to do an episode on that. Intriguing. So, okay. All right, yeah, that was it for me. I've just been finishing up those two, so. Let's see. I don't know. I don't remember what I talked about last time. I feel like I have to have a list so I don't repeat myself. I think last time I talked about watching Glee. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to season two and was very disappointed in the lack of character development and um, story development. Now I understand these are high school teenagers we're talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so character growth can be very minimal. But I mean, High School Musical had pretty decent character growth. <laughs> <laughs> I would disagree with that. <laughs> It was a joke, but... <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I thought you were being serious. No, no, I was no. Like, it was a joke. Uh, I was like, I was like, I no, Troy and Gabriella are the same people from 1, 2, and 3. Um, <laughs> they're the exact same people. No character development. Yeah, so I just... I was just really sad. And then I talked to another friend, and she was like, yeah, actually, it doesn't get better. Like, the characters don't really change that much. And so um, I was like, I don't know if it's worth it, but the music is phenomenal. So maybe I'll just you look could just up listen the... to the soundtrack then. I don't really. I don't want to listen to. I, want, I guess I want to see the performers perform too. You know, because a part true. of the glee is the dancing and the and and the showness of it. You know. Yeah, it's like um, listening to a musical's soundtrack compared to watching it. Being right. Performed. Right. 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 So yeah. I, I there's a part of me that wants to watch it for the sake of watching the the actors and actresses sing and dance like the musical numbers and stuff or the the songs, but. I just, I don't know. I just, I can't do it. Like, why do the characters, why are they so one note, you know? I just, I can't. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I guess TV is just different nowadays. Who knows? And then, I don't know if I talked about, did I talk about Legend of the White Snake last time? I don't think so. Or you probably mentioned it, but. Um, yeah, so I watched this Chinese drama called Legend of the White Snake. I know it sounds weird. But this is like a based on a really really old folk legend, folk tale myth in China, and it's on Netflix. So if you want to watch it, you can. And I was very surprised at how well done it was. If you yeah. are a fan of the old, the older Legend of the White Snake like TV shows slash movies, you will probably not like it as much. But I didn't know much about it, so I just went in. And it was actually very, very well done. Production, 
high high value production and decent acting storytelling was pretty good character development is good as well for some characters so that was really good i'm also watching mind hunter right now on netflix have you guys heard of that i think oh I yeah seen, we, I've, yeah, we've seen, seen season one. Oh really season, season two is coming out no. soon right yeah, season two is coming out soon. I heard really good things about season one, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And it's really good. Yeah, um, it is. It's also really yeah. freaking, it, it's, like, creepy. It is creepy. Is it creepy? I feel like Well, it creepy is, in the but... sense that it, like... it's It messes with your mind. Like, you have to go into people's mind and to, you know, figure Maybe creepy out... is not the right word. It's... Well, it's, like, psychologically, like... I can't, disturbing. like, I can't watch more than, like, two episodes without huh. having to like take a break and be like uh, yeah it sounds oh, like it's like psychologically anything, disturbing yeah. or overwhelming or yeah yeah maybe just like just... you're numb to those things yeah i was well, gonna say maybe i'm just numb to it but i'm like episode five i think towards the end it gets real like real disturbing. crazy yeah i have to watch yeah. it again i feel like i'm like that with black mirror like i can't watch so many episodes of black mirror oh just yeah i can't watch those yeah, right either. into your head Definitely. Like, you know, it's just really like, man. Yeah, it's not creepy. It's like, it's disturbing. Yeah, it's just disturbing. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. the, the right word. <laughs> yeah, it's like jarring. It like shakes you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then I'm also watching The Terror Infamy, which is a show on AMC. It's a horror thriller uh, TV show based on, or I should say, the context is. Japanese internment camps. And so I watched the first episode. It's airing right now, week to week, uh, watching with a couple friends. And the first one was terrifying in its own way. It's not like jump scares and stuff like that, but it, it leaves you with this like lingering sort of feeling. Like the feeling you get when you watch Japanese horror, like The Grudge or The Ring, you know, like it's creepy you don't feel safe taking a shower, you know, things like that. Oh, God. Um, it's just that sort of lingering. Yeah, it's that lingering <laughs> creepiness, you know, and it has like elements. I feel like it, it, it pulls from a whole bunch of other Japanese stuff, too. And it's, it's real. It hits close to home, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because it's the it's about the Japanese American internment experience. And so you're seeing these first and second generation third generation Japanese Americans going through this horrible, horrible thing that people just were okay with, you know? And I think that it's very relevant to kind of what we're going through right now, just in the world. It's a reminder of the horror that happened back then and how much we try to hide it from ourselves, you know, that it didn't happen. Um, but it very much did and and affected people. And so, yeah, I just, it's so, it's super good. I love the first episode. I can't say for the rest of the season. I'll let you guys know what happens at the end. Sure. That's where I'm at. All right, Jess, Jason. Um, let me see. Well, you guys already know what I'm watching. <laughs> BTS. Yeah, your BTS run. <laughs> yeah, my, or run BTS. That's, that's the only thing I've been really watching. You did just see the movie. TV show wise, and we did just see the movie, which I highly recommend. <laughs> Every, if you love, if you love me, you need to go watch it. Okay, 
That just shows me how much you care about me. <laughs> no, but I I liked it because it's I feel like to go watch it you don't need to like really know a lot about them because it kind of just it just gives you a glimpse of like what's going on behind the scenes of their tour that they were on and it like cuts back and forth to a dinner that they're having while it's like their last their last city that they're in which is in Paris and yeah I don't know it just gives you like a just a glimpse of into their life and how crazy and hectic it is but then um, how like lonely and how lonely it is and also just kind of how sad it could be sometimes living your life as you know a musician like especially like basic you're they're basically like global superstars so it was just really good to kind of see like that insight um into their lives and then so yeah we saw that recently and another movie i saw was yesterday have you guys heard of that yeah the indian american is indian american or no i think he's british indian british Indian British, yeah. Yeah, he's Indian British, and um, I really liked it. If you're a if you're a huge Beatles fan, I would recommend watching it. Um, when I went, there were, there were like all these old people. <laughs> I was like the only young person in there. Um, I mean, I like Beatles songs, but I don't. I, I never followed them that well, mm-hmm. or at all. But uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny, and um, the music was great. I I. Didn't, he sang all of his own songs, which was surprising because he did a great job. But um, yeah, that's all I'm really watching. What about you, hun? Um, I just saw Spider-Man: Far From Home finally. Oh my god! Oh, I haven't seen that. So yeah. good. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. They did a good job with post Endgame. Um, yes, I agree. Yeah, as good as they could have done, I think. Um, mm-hmm as far as how they how this the film felt so finally watched that i just finished so guillermo del toro and dreamworks are contracted for it's kind of like a trilogy trilogy what? Uh, yeah it's like three it's, it's I was like what's a trilogy trilogy <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> no, like i've like, never heard that no term it's like before. three seasons of it's three seasons of three series but they're all connected okay. so it's Troll Hunters is the first one. I don't know if you've seen it. If anyone's seen it, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Troll Hunters, and then there's why am I forgetting the second one? I can't. Well, the second one is Three Below, which they just finished. So I just finished that, and then there's another one called Wizards coming up. Um, and so really, really good. A lot of undertones, like Three Below. Um, so there's trolls, and then I'm giving you a, a quick synopsis. There's trolls, and then there's <laughs> three blows, like aliens, and then there's wizards. But the alien one, okay. there's a lot of undertones of like, I mean, these guys are coming from another planet, and so you know, there's kind of the like immigration undertones and things like that, and kind of the minority experience in mm-hmm. and stuff. And so there's a lot of that stuff that's kind of snuck in there, but kind of just a fun series. And then kind of just for fun, I am watching a cartoon called Star versus the Forces of Evil. <laughs> and that's on Hulu. Okay. Um, but just kind of a fun little cartoon. Cool. Nice. All right. Okay, so that's it for today's episode of The Outside Story. I'm Larry. I'm Jonathan. I'm Jessica. And I'm Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jason. 
All right, well, uh, tune in next time for another episode of The Outside Story. Take care. Bye.